All right, well, we're going to get started. Thank you so much for being here today. This is a, an exciting class. It's an, you are exciting people. You love the Lord. You love the Word of the Lord, and it just blesses me and strengthens me and encourages me. Um, we're going to be we're going to talk about um, the church at Thyatira, and we'll pick up in the 18th verse here, uh, and we're moving quickly uh, to the beginning of what will happen when John gets a different perspective. He will begin to speak to us from heaven, and his vision will be from heaven in chapter 4. Right now, the Lord is dealing with the churches. I don't know about you, but uh, I, was thinking, I was thinking about this this week in my own heart, just in, in the teaching of these uh, seven churches and the, uh, the Lord's judging and looking and holding accountable. I, I don't know about you, but for me, it, it has caused me to uh, look in my own heart it's caused me to be more uh, conscious of the fact that, that God, you know, we, we all know that God knows everything, and we all know he makes a record. But when you go back and hear Jesus himself coming and saying to these churches, I know this, I know that, I know this person in your church, that's pretty, that's pretty strong for Jesus to come from heaven and say to John, uh, for example, I know about my faithful martyr, Antipas, in, in that church. I know when he speaks to us like that, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, it's pretty amazing to me. All right, we will pick up uh, in verse 18. Verse 18. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write... These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. Again, notice the choice of words that Jesus uses to introduce himself to this church. It is, it is though that he introduces himself to each of the churches in line with the needs that that church would have and in line with what he and how he would judge or call that church into accountability for their lives and for what's going on in their life. And so he says, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you as the one who has eyes like a flame of fire. And I can see. And feet are like fine brass, which, ha which speaks of the judge judgment. I know thy works and charity and service and faith thy patience and thy works at the last be more than at the first this is an amazing commendation by our lord he says to this church look at it again i know thy works your works have been ex ex extraordinary your works have been uh, true and they've been faithful because, see, God is the one who knows the heart. Man looked on the outside. God looked on the heart, and God has condemned it all the way from the Old Testament through the New Testament. Don't get caught up on appearance. Don't, you remember when, when Samuel went to pick out the king? 
who was going to be David. And the Bible said he looked at all the sons of Jesse and he picked every one of them. Because they, they looked like kings to him. He, he thought they were tall. They were big. And, 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 and God again told him, said, you're looking on the outside. You're looking at the appearance. You got caught up with looks. And you got caught up with appearance. And, and God looks on the heart. Amen. And so he comes back and tells that again. He said, I know thy works. I know thy charity, which is love. This was a loving church. This was a church who knew how to love God and love each other. This is the church who knew how to, with charitable acts, um, with charitable acts, deal with, with hurting people. This was the church who did not turn people away from their door, who was sick or hungry or broke. This was a very charitable church. He said, and your service, he said, You're, you just absolutely serve people. You serve people well. You were, we're, we're, we're more like Jesus when we're loving people and, and coming to them as a servant than we are at any other time in our lives. You are more like Christ when you know how to serve someone, when you know how to love people. And this, this wonderful church at Thyatira, as a matter of fact, this would be the smallest city of all the cities where churches were located and perhaps the smallest congregation, uh, still a strong, large congregation, but would be the smallest of all the churches that uh, we're going to talk about. He said, I know thy faith. He said, You're, you've been faithful. Uh, you've, you, you've stood when, when, when others didn't stand. You've been strong in faith. You've been strong in, in, in your own personal faith. Uh, in the face of trials and tests and tribulation, you just wouldn't give in. You wouldn't give up. So I want to compliment that. And he said, I also know your works, that, that your works are better now. I love this. Than they were at the beginning. He said, your works have increased over high. So, so this is an important word that God has given to his, this church. He said, and that's, it, it shows maturity. They started off well and, they, and they've done better. He said, your works here at the last is better and more than they were at the beginning. You, so this is a church that, that knew how to grow. They, was, they weren't stagnant. They didn't go backward. They weren't a backsliding church. They, they were, so all of these incredible words that the Lord uh, gives concerning this church. And you would think with that kind of uh, resume that there wouldn't be anything that uh, could be wrong with a church like that. That's a per, that that sounds like a great church to me. That sounds like a great church. And it did to the Lord as well. But then he said, then he said nevertheless, nevertheless, Notwithstanding, verse 20, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And let me just stop there for just a moment. A uh, little history, uh, first of all. Uh, you remember in Acts chapter 16 uh, where the Bible mentions Lydia of Thyatira. Remember, I, I preached about Lydia a few times, who was the seller of purple cloth. She was from the city of Thyatira. Uh, the city of Thyatira was, was famous around the world for the manufacture of purple dye. Purple dye originated there. And numerous references are found in even secular literature of the period of the, tr of the trade guilds which manufactured 
manufactured cloth. Uh, so we know that, that whether it was Lydia who, brought the, who heard Paul preach, who brought the gospel back or, or not, we do know that as a result of their, their introduction to the gospel, a great church was built in Thyatira, so great, so, so wonderful that when, when Jesus began to address the churches in the earth, he chose this one to talk about. He chose this one to talk about. And so, very, very important. I know, he said, I know your words. He says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. And then he says, because you allowed that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to seduce my service to commit sexual immorality, to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her a space to repent of her immorality, and she did not repent. She did not repent. So the center of the corruption in the city of Thyatira is a woman, or it could have been a it could have been a male uh, with the spirit uh, of Jezebel. Could have been a woman, but her 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 literal name and uh, title clearly represents that self-styled prophetess. And so Jesus looked at this. This thing going on in the city of Thyatira and that had affected the church. And he, he discerns it by calling it Jezebel. Now, do you remember Jezebel? All the way back at First and Second Kings. You remember Jezebel? Talk a little bit about Jezebel because Jezebel was uh, the woman, the queen, she and Ahab, who took Israel from an incredible place in God in, to the lowest backsliding of their history. As a matter of fact, when you, most theologians teach this, that Israel was closest to turning completely away from God at any time in their entire life, in their future or past, that under the rule of Ahab and Jezebel, that the entire nation was further away from God, more backslidden. They actually embraced uh, a child's sacrifice. During that time, Israeli people were sacrificing their children to, to false gods. They were, they were burning incense to the, to the prophets of Baal. And if you remember, that's why, that's why it would take God moving on Elijah to come to Mount Carmel. We've been, we've been to Mount Carmel, and he would call the glory of God down. Remember that story? And, and Jezebel uh, would, would later be destroyed and be cast out. Uh, so Jesus looks at this, whatever this was going on, this spirit. He, did, he said, it's a spirit that causes my servants to commit adultery or immorality and causes them to, to worship idols. Uh, I think, it's, I think it's interesting that because what, the devil could not hurt this church through persecution. That didn't bother them. They, 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 were, they seemed to get stronger. So he had to try to find some way to, to, to affect this church. And he, and he finds a way to bring a spirit of Jezebel, if not into the congregation, to attack the congregation. And many ministers and leaders, deacons and elders and pastors fail into sin because of this spirit. And so Jesus is condemning this. Why would Jesus condemn 
or speak to this church concerning that because he said you've allowed it. And you didn't, you've allowed it to go on. You did not stop it. You did not uh, push it out uh, because you became so tolerant. I, I'm going to tell you when, you, when you see these churches, you, there's so many parallels to today. The, the, the quote, the body of Christ had become so tolerant. Uh, uh, you know, I, I just happened to hear this week uh, the leader for the Christian rock band Jars of Clay uh, posted on their Twitter account this week that he, that for the, this is his words, for the life of me, I can find no reason to not approve gay marriage. For the life of me. That's what he said. For the life of me, I can find no reason. There's only about 300 in the Bible. For the, and, and so for the, and, and then I, 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 got a, I got a text this week and I went to the Charisma Magazine website and there's a large debate going on right now inside Christianity. Some of the largest churches in America beginning last fall started including the use of secular music in their worship. It's a debate. Now there's a debate as to whether there should be no debate. This is... Time to worship Jesus. So, there, so several churches have taken the top ten hits off the Billboard magazine, and, they, and they're presenting those in their church on their platform as part of their worship service. And so there's this big debate. There should be no debate, but we have become so tolerant. We, we, we want to tolerate everything. We wanna, we, and, and so where are we going to draw the line? Is, or is it too late to draw? Has the church as a whole moved so far from the cross, so far from the purpose that is it too late for some people? I'm just telling you that God is saying, amen, that he is going to hold this church, this church age, he's going to hold his people accountable, amen. And he, he, he didn't say you're committing this sin. He said you've allowed it to come in. And, it had, and what it's done, he said it's robbed some of your best young men. It's taken some of your best young women uh, into sexual immorality and into idolatrous worship. And, and, it's the, and, it's the, it's, and she calls herself, I think this is, she calls herself a prophetess. In order to, to, to come and say, well, I, I have a word from God. I'm, over, I'm, I'm a prophetess, so I'm, I have more power than just a pastor. So I have more authority than you pastors. I'm a prophetess, and, 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 and this is what the Lord is saying. So she called herself a prophetess. Amen? Uh, so, the Bible said that this would happen in Matthew 24, 11, that many false prophets will rise up and deceive many in the last days. She was not really a prophetess. She only claimed to be one to teach and seduce my servants to fall away from the Lord, amen, and, and, and to be led into sin. Uh, it, it's important that, that, that we, like God said to the church at Thyatira, that we repent. Look, look what he said. I gave her space to repent of her fornication, verse 21, and she repented not. There's, there's a space to repent. There's a space to repent. Behold, behold, I will cast her into a bed with them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. 
Repentance is not just something the world should do. Repentance is something the church needs to do. Repentance every day. Every day you should repent. Every day I should repent. Every day. So for what? Well, that's a good place to start for my attitude. For not thinking that I need to repent. I was preaching one time. I was preaching one time to a group, and I said, we, we need to be repenting. And, and a lady, she said, she, she said, for what, Pastor? A lot of our sins are the sins of omission. Things that we've omitted. You know, there are some things we do that we commit, but there's a lot of things we omit that we need to repent of. Amen? All right. Uh, Behold, I will cast her, and I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he that searcheth the reins and the hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Now, he's talking about their offspring. Let me just mention that. He, this, there's, that, can, that can be a physical, that can be taken physical. It's also the, her spiritual children will die. Any can I just divert here for just a second? You that have been in church for a long time know this. And, and, and of course, I was raised in a pastor's home. My, my grandfather was a pastor. My great-grandmother was a pastor. My great-grandmother was a wonderful Methodist pastor in the late eight, 1800s before Azusa Street outpouring. And there was an outpouring called the Boline, B-O-L-E-N-E, the Boline outpouring, which happened in a little community called Boline over in the piney woods of Louisiana. Somewhere in the late, uh, maybe 1878, 1882, somewhere in that period of time, uh, my dad actually received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, my dad and my mom both, out of that revival. Now, that, that revival lasted on into uh, the early 1900s. But there's a little place in Louisiana called Boleyn. It's ne there's no, it, all, it, all it was at that time was Texas and Pacific Railroad, which was an, an old railroad system that came out of, uh, I, I don't know how far it went north, but I know it came from Shreveport down through our part of the country down to Alexandria, and I think on down to maybe Baton Rouge, Texas and Pacific. And Boleyn, all they had there at that time, which it, those were steam engines, all they had was just an old water tower to fill up the trains. That's, and, and they had a little name called Boleyn on that water tower. In that little place, they had put up, the, had put up a, a, the, the Methodist people had put up an old brush arbor. Wonderful Methodist people put up an old brush arbor. And they began, in that meeting, they began to seek after the Lord, and the Holy Spirit fell there, and nobody knew about it. They didn't even know what it was. They didn't, they didn't know what had happened to them. It took, a, it took several months and years of being taught and searching the Word of God to realize that these people had actually had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost according to the Acts chapter 2. And so out of that overflow of that move of God, my father and my mother both uh, became, became, a, a part, became a part of that, that move of God. And, and, and so I, came, I come out of four generations of pastors, four generations, four, four generations of men and women who have served the Lord and who have preached the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And could I tell you that I have never seen a time. My dad went to be with the Lord in 1973. I was, I was 23 years old when I lost my dad. 
you, some of you knew my precious mom who's been gone about 12, 12 years now. But my, my precious dad who preached the gospel, who, who understood a lot of spiritual insights that, that, that was even ahead of his time. And yet those men and women, if they were to be alive today, to see where the church has digressed to, to see what we have just absolutely backed off and just tolerated. We don't, it's not that we believe in it. It's not that we are going to do it. It's not that we're going to be turned to it. But, but we just have the spirit of, well, you know, it's not for me, but, you know, whatever. This spirit of, this is what Jesus had to judge this church because they had just tolerated this spirit of Jezebel in their church. And so he said, the, he said the offspring, probably physically, but certainly spiritually, the offspring. Now, let me just say this very kindly. This is where I was going with that. The offspring. How many times have you ever been in a church? And we, we saw this happen here before one time years ago. How many times have you ever been in a church when what, what they used to call church splits would happen? Somebody would come in and try to draw people in the congregation away, away from the pastor, away from the congregation, away from the house, and, and, and they, would, they would go down the, the street and try to establish something that, and, and, the, and it's always, this is a Bible fact, you can't leave wrong and start right. You can't ever leave wrong and start right. You've got to be sent. You've got to be sent. Church, that's exactly right. My point is this. I've never seen any of those uh, enterprises work. 90% of them, a year later, you won't even find them. But here's what you do find. Those people who went got killed. They're not going to church anywhere now. They're angry and they're bitter and they're hurt and they're disappointed. And so the children of these things will die. Out there. That's why we need to hold on to God. We need to hold on. Listen, every, no church is perfect, and this one certainly isn't, isn't either. And every church goes through good times and low times. We've had some good times. We've had some powerful, powerful times in the last 34 years. We've had some days where it was hard. There's been times when I would, you know, they were saying you couldn't buy, beg, or steal an anointing. You couldn't seem to get a move of God going, and you, could, you know, you just do all you know to do. You pray, and you cry, and you're faithful, and you come to church, and it's like, you just try to preach and you feel like you're bound we're not there right now praise God we're out of that but I'm just going to tell you every church just stay with your church if the going gets tough just hang there with it amen because it'll get better it will get better praise God just like your family you go through tough times you you have financial situation marital situation your kids do silly stuff I'm being nice calling it silly you know what you call it. You know what you've told me about. I'm just telling you, they're still your kids. You've got to love them. You've got to pray for them. You've got to hold. You, you can't abandon them. Praise God because they are your offspring. And the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Verse 24. But unto you I say, and unto the rest of Thyatira, as many as, as, as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, 
I will put none other burden upon you, but that, but that which you have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my words unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron and with a vessel of potter and shall be broken to, sh to shivers even as I received of my Father, and I will give to him the morning star. Jesus is the morning star. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Can you say amen? amen. Let me just make one point here. I will give him power over the nations. There's, there's three things that, that speaks that is speaking of. Number one, it has to do with Christ and his church. Think about this. When, when the trumpet sounds, the, the rapture. Now, the word rapture, is not, a, is not in the scripture. The word rapture, the word that means rapture is in the scripture, and it means to be caught away, snatched away. We call it the rapture, that is the, second, that is the coming of the Lord Jesus, which is a, a literal, physical event. The Lord will come, Jesus will come, take the church off out of the earth, will be gone to, to the marriage supper of the Lamb for seven years. The tribulation period will unfold on this earth. It'll be... You know, if you think what's going on in this world now is something we're talking about, and when we get into the book of Revelation, you're going to find out we're not talking about uh, just a, a bad year. We're not talking just, a, we're talking about the devastation to this, you, you will get there. But think about this. During that time, the, the Antichrist will impose the mark of the beast. Now, you know, you know, in the forehead or hand, uh, right hand and you know that right now we have technology already even even with your pets you can have them you can have a little little uh, chip put in your pets and they can just scan uh, some some nations have already have already in, in Belgium and several other countries in, in Europe are already experimenting with that the credit card fraud which cost this nation billions of dollars not per year per month fraud credit card fraud, billions per month. Banks are paying billions of dollars a year because of credit card fraud. What they want to do is find a way to eliminate, and so right now they're doing the, the iris scan, the eye. You, and you can, if you've got one of the new uh, iPhones or, 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 or Galaxy phones, you can put your, finger, your thumbprint on your phone, and it'll record your thumbprint. Nobody can open your phone without that 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 thumbprint my phone you can do that with uh they're they're wanting they're wanting right now there's technology right now that which they're being it's being pushed to 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 implant your data where nobody can get to it and that it would be scanned now that that is coming that is not that is not 150 years out there that is on the horizon that is out there now it's it will not be the mark of the beast as long as you have a choice, it becomes the mark of the beast whenever that happens when they tell you you can't buy or sell without that number. But, but we're getting used to numbers, aren't we? We're getting used to them. I remember, when my, I remember Social Security. I remember my daddy used to preach against Social Security numbers. You know, I mean, he's a little bit backwood Louisiana preacher. I understand that. But he looked at that. He said, son, he said, I'm telling you right now that Social Security number is going to become the mark of the beast. And I'm a little kid. I don't even know what the mark of the beast is. I'm just shaking mark of the beast. I mean, I'm five years old. He's telling me about the mark of the beast. You know, don't ever get one of those Social Security cards. You know, I blocked no. But look at us now. Numbers don't scare us anymore. 
We're not intimidated by numbers, are we? Okay, let me move a little bit further here. The other thing is that, is that when Christ comes back and we come back, remember, the whole world will have taken the mark of the beast, and those who did not take the mark of the beast, those who have become converted by the 144,000 evangelists, which we'll talk about in the book of Revelation, will, will, many of them will give their life for the gospel and will not take the mark of the beast. Think about this, that when Jesus and the church comes back, after the seven years to begin the thousand years, every person that's alive on the face of the earth will have taken the mark of the beast. And the Bible said that when they do that, they will be turned over to a reprobate mind and they'll believe a lie and be damned. These are going to be damned people and they're going to be angry and they're going to be sinful and they're going to be immoral. They're going to have taken, they will have taken society to a place where you can even, we can't even imagine where it's going to be then. And yet, and then Christ comes with the church and we're going to have to rule in this world over for the first hundred years, you're going to be ruling, we'll be ruling over people who have taken the mark of the beast. And he said to the church that overcomes, you're going to be, you're going to be, we're going to rule with the, the Bible said that Christ will rule at first with a rod of iron. They'll have to, he'll have to rule with a rod of iron. And then, and gradually that generation who took the mark of the beast will die off. Boy, I got some stuff in there. You're going to, yeah. Well, what about their kids? We're going to talk about that. There are going to be some grandkids that's going to be born that didn't take the mark of the beast. Where the, what about them? A lot of stuff to talk about. I'm almost done here today. Praise God. Ah, let's, let me just read. We're going to, we're going to finish up this, this chapter, uh, chapter 3, uh, in one setting. Uh, we only have two churches I'm sorry, three churches here, I think. Three churches, yes. Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Uh, I, wanna, I want you to start, start reading the book, the third chapter of the book of Revelation. I'm going to talk to you about the church of Sardis. Let me just go and read. I just got to go and tell you this. This church is so unique and so different. It, it is, it, every other church except, except the church of Laodicea God has something good to say about. This church, God, he just starts right out and saying, well, let me just read it to you. Verse 3, he said, verse, verse 1, 3. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things said he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou leavest, but you're really dead. That's how he starts out with this church. He didn't say, you know, I appreciate where you've been, what you've done, your goodness, your mercy. He just said, you got a reputation all over town. Everybody thinks you're a lively, good, great, wonderful church. And he said, the truth is, you're dead. My God, that's how he starts out with this church. Okay. Are y'all okay? Now, I hope you understand this is, when I say gonna, this teaching, I don't mean it's going to get, when I say this is going to get heavy, I don't mean that in the wrong way. But this is going to get this. These teachings are going to get very um, strong, and they're going to get very heart searching, and they're going to get very heart rending. And we're going to have to talk about some things that's going to happen on this planet that that I get no joy out of because it breaks my heart to think that anybody. Jesus said He's not willing that any should perish. Christ doesn't want anybody to go to hell. Do you? I don't. And yet we're going to have to talk about people that's, that because of their, this sinful society, the Bible said that hell has to enlarge itself. 
it's going to have to get larger than it was intended because Jesus created hell just for the devil and his angels. But because of the sinfulness of man, hell is going to move itself from the beneath and enlarge itself to receive the millions that are going. My God. We need to be about our Father's business, don't we? Hallelujah. Y'all okay with me? Everybody okay? Amen. Sardis. We're going to talk about Sardis. And we're going to talk about Philadelphia. And we're going to talk about Laodicea. All right. Father God, thank you today for your mercy, grace, and goodness. This word is a stirring word, God. It's not just a... A lot of people look at this, the book of Revelation. It's just science fiction. It's... it's, it's it's space at war. It's, it's space age. It's, it's, it's incredible. It may be all of those things, Lord, but above all, it is your word concerning a world who does not know you. And so we get no pleasure or joy thinking about some of the things that shall come up on this planet. And it is our desire to worship you and to praise you and to bring forth revival in our hearts, homes, churches, and families, and neighborhoods, and cities, and nations. So that we can, as, as your apostles said, with fear, plucking some of them out of the fire. Even at the last moment, they're about to go to hell, and we're plucking them out of the fire. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God.